Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel chapter 14, look at verse 29. And I know, because I know so many of you personally, and I know we're, a lot of us are in Bible studies together, you know how important this is. So sometimes we're a little perplexed when we see so many weary Christians. Well, it's not hard to figure out. doesn't mean you don't get weary because you read the Bible, but you know what I'm saying. And so notice this insight. Jonathan says, how much more, see how my eyes have brightened from the honey, if only the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they, had, they found For now the slaughter among the Philistines has not been great. I just want to make another point. I know this is not the direct exegesis, but here's my point. How much more could have been done if only? And Jonathan's point is only if my dad would have let the army eat. How much more ground could we have taken? How much more, how much greater would the victory have been? How much differently would I have responded if I had prayed before this encounter with this person? If I had brought God into this difficulty in this business situation? And so, he says it could have been a lot better. It could have been a lot greater. Now I know we're all feeling a measure of conviction. I'm joining the party with you. I say that all the time. Should have prayed a little bit more before that one. <laughs> Should have practiced. Do you remember that? James 1.19. I should have been more quick to listen. Do you ever go back and look at a relationship that you've had for years and go something like this? I don't know how well I really know that person because I haven't stopped long enough to hear their heart. Wow. And they struck among the Philistines 31 that day from Michmash to Ihalan. That's modern Yalu. And the people were very weary. Now they traveled about, you said, well, you might be thinking, well, the Lord's the one that gave him the victory. He confused the Philistines. But they traveled 18 miles from Michmash to Ahalon uh, in battle. There was long battle, long travel. And the people were reminded, once again, are very weary. And the people, after they had won this victory, rushed greedily upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. Now, I don't know if the sun has gone down and so the people said, well, uh, his oath is over because he had mentioned the, the day and it's a new day. Or if they thought, well, the, the Philistines are on the run and we won the battle and that's all Saul really wanted anyway. It's time to eat. We're having a party. That honey's still in my mind that I didn't eat back there. We're eating. And you know what they did? They took the spoils of war They took the sheep, they took the oxen, they started to kill them, but there was dietary laws, and they were supposed to do this a certain way, and they started eating the animals. There's not even a mention of cooking. I would imagine they threw stuff on the fire, but they started eating them with the blood. How many of you are rare steak eaters? 
We need to pray for you guys. <laughs> we were having a conversation over a meal recently with the young man I didn't know. And uh, just getting to know him. And he goes, there, somehow rare steaks came up. <laughs> he goes, I like mine with a little blood still on the plate. And I'm like, brother, we need to pray for you. That, that's just wrong. Well, they weren't supposed to partake of the blood because the blood was used in the sacrifices. And God said, said in Genesis 9, the life is in the blood. So they were supposed to drain the blood out. It was supposed to be done on an altar and the correct way. But the people said, it's time to eat. They said, the, this, this uh, oath is over. And the people went a bit, as they say in modern vernacular, a bit cray-cray. <laughs> They went crazy, man. Uh, the NIV puts it <laughs> great. They, it says they pounced on the plunder. I mean, people were taking these animals and they were eating and they were... And do you see what's happening here? I hope you can see it. Remember I told you when a leader does silly things, he affects all these people. Because Saul made them take the silly oath, they didn't do things the right way with the next meal they had and so they broke another law of God and they started eating the food with the blood. And though, So then they told Saul, 33, and behold, the people, they said, are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, you have acted treacherously. Roll a great stone to me today. And Saul said, disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, each one of you bring, would you notice, me. Is he the priest? Bring me his ox or his sheep and slaughter it here and eat. And do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. And so all, that, all the people that night brought each one his ox with him and slaughtered it there. Now, Saul had built this altar. Notice it says Saul built an altar to the Lord and I think it included for sacrifice. And I think there's a bit of sarcasm here by the author. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. It's amazing how self-righteous Saul can get when other people are blowing it, right? He's making all these mistakes, but now he's saying, well, the people are sinning against the Lord. Tell them to stop. Of course, they shouldn't have been doing it. And Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night. Take a spoil among them until morning light. And let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. I don't know if that's a little bit of a sarcastic response like okay Saul whatever right so the priest said look at 36 how about we pray about this one let us draw near to God here can you see the pattern in Saul's life has he not learned yet he says we're going to go we're going to do more but there's been no inquiry of the Lord at all and the priest said Hey, let's draw near to God here. The, the phrase to draw near means to worship, to seek the Lord, to inquire of him. And Saul inquired of God, and he said, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will thou give them into the hand of Israel? But he, that is God, did not answer him on that day. Some scholars of Hebrews say he did not give him a positive answer which could mean that God said no. If we just take the plain reading of the text here, it says, 
he didn't answer him on that day. Now, how many of you have ever run into this dilemma? You're praying about something, right? And you say, okay, God, the pastor said, before I do the next dumb thing I'm considering, to pray. Okay? Here I am. Here's the situation. Clock is ticking. Come on. Hello? Should I wet the blanket? (laughs) Should you dry it? What? Right? What we want is we want an instant answer right now. Do you know, somebody mentioned this. They said, sometimes when you have these little annoyances that happen in life and and they've delayed you, maybe the, the delay is divine. And we're all upset about it. And then we find out if I would have been there five minutes earlier, something bad would have happened to me. We get impatient. So we pray about something, but then we give God the timing by which he must answer us, right? So who's God in this equation? Okay, well, at least I prayed about it. (laughs) You're not answering, so I'm going, right? Well, part of what God does when he teaches you to pray is he teaches you to wait for his answer and his timing. Sometimes we think when we pull the the lever of prayer, it's an automatic. I did my part, now God, you do your part, which is what I wanted you to do in the first place. I just sprinkled prayer on it to make it sound spiritual. Wait a minute. Who's directing who here? See, the priest said, no, let's draw near to God. Now, Saul did the right thing by asking the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him right away. It could be that they were using the Urim and the Thummim, but the answer didn't come right away. I just want to park here for a second. If you're praying about something right now and you don't have a clear answer yet, one good thing to do is to wait. I will tell you from up here, I failed many times. Uh, it's not o- always easy to discern what God may be uh, showing you. And sometimes it takes multiple layers of bathing something in prayer. Sometimes if something doesn't happen right away, maybe there's a divine delay. Maybe God's caused you to wait so that you can find out a little bit more about his will or his perfect timing. And Saul said, 38, draw near here all you chiefs of the people and investigate and see how this sin has happened today. For as the Lord lives who delivers Israel, though it is in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But not one of all the people answered him. Now here's the deal. Saul's trying to find out why he's not getting an answer quick. And he figures there must be sin in the camp. And so he says, you know what? We're going to find out. I'm calling all the head officials together, all the heads of the families, literally the corners of society, and we're going to find out who the problem is. Problem was, he failed to look in the mirror because the problem was him. You see, sometimes that's the hardest thing to face. Me? No, 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 no. 
if things aren't happening spiritually the way I think they should, I can't be the problem. We're going to have to find out what's going on in the camp out there. Right? So he calls all the big shots together, the leaders. And he says, look, even if it's in me, which I don't think it is, or my son, we're going to do business today. As the Lord lives, this is the language of taking an oath. Hasn't he done enough of this? He says, 39, As surely as the Lord lives, NIV, who rescues Israel, even if it lies with my son Jonathan, he must die. Saul, come on, really? But not one of the men said a word. Where do you think the people are at with this leader? They're like, really? He just made another oath. First, he kept us from our yogurt. That's <laughs> bad enough. I mean, our honey, right? Now, he's put his own kid on the chopping block by making another oath. As the Lord lives is the language of taking an oath. Then he said to all Israel, you shall be on one side, I and Jonathan, my son, will be on the other side. Does he have an inkling that maybe Jonathan's responsible? And the people said to Saul, do you feel it? I do, it seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord, the God of Israel, give a perfect lot. I think he's commanding God now. I know what he's asking, but the way he says it, it seems like he doesn't have respect for the sacred And Jonathan and Saul were taken by lot, but the people escaped, so it didn't fall to them. And Saul said, cast lots between me and my son Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. Now it comes to fruition. The very thing that he made this dumb vow about, now the lot has fallen to his son. In other words, it's pointing to him as being responsible. And Saul said to Jonathan, tell me, what have you done, son, well, let's see. Well, you were up under the pomegranate tree, me and my armor bearer, for the second time, took down the Philistines while you were up there doing who knows what. When I came back, you had all your people starving in the forest. I saw some honey. I didn't hear about your stupid vow. <laughs> Can you imagine this conversation? Because I had left. You didn't notice I had gone, but I had left to win the battle that you wouldn't fight. Right? So Jonathan said to him, I indeed tasted a little honey with the end of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I don't know if he said it sarcastically or nobly. I guess I must die. After all, you've made another oath, Dad. Another foolish oath. And Saul said, now you would think at this point, a humble person comes to a moment of realization, you know, that was probably pretty dumb. You're my son. I love you. I understand a little bit more about what happened. And Saul said, may God do this to me. He's making another vow. May God do this to me and more also for you shall surely die, Jonathan. Your crime that will be put on your tombstone. He tasted a little honey. Unacceptable. <laughs> Do you see a little hypocrisy here? Saul, you've been making blunder after blunder. Your kid didn't even know 
And now you want him to die because he tasted a little bit of honey? Now finally the people get some backbone. The people said to Saul, Must Jonathan die? Who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel? They know what happened. Notice this, far from it. Now they're going to take an oath. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day, put in parentheses, unlike you, king. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Here's the deal. The king said, my son, everybody's over there, son's over here, he's going to die. And the people said, no, he's not. We're tired of you, king. He's not, not one hair of his head is going to go to the ground today. You're not doing this anymore. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when some, one person's doing some foolish things, it takes a group to take a stand and say, no mas. Enough is enough. You're not killing your son over this honey thing. And Saul did not understand it. David, later in uh, 1 Samuel, will not kill Nabal, though he's made a form of an oath, because Abigail points out that what if he would do that, that would not be right. Shedding blood in this situation would not be right. And he praises her for keeping him from a mistake. Let me just say this to you. If an oath has been made and that oath is sinful, I'm sorry about the microphone, you guys, then there seems to be some grace here from God. Let me repeat that one more time. If an oath is made, but the oath is going to lead you into a sinful act, there seems to be a respite here. And so it didn't come to pass. And Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines. This is summary and we're done. The Philistines went to their own place. Now when Saul had taken the kingdom over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, six nations here, the sons of Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, the Philistines, and wherever he turned, he inflicted punishment. He acted valiantly and defeated the Amalekites. It wasn't like this guy wasn't a good warrior. He delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The Amalekites are highlighted because in the next chapter, Saul will commit another blunder with the Amalekites. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, Malkishua, and the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Merab, the name of the younger was Michael. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the captain of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. And Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now the war against the Philistines was severe all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any mighty man or a valiant man, he attached himself to his staff. The NIV, or the, uh, yes, the NIV says, whenever he saw a mighty or a brave man, he took him into his service. The New American Standard updated, it says he took him for himself. And the warning from Samuel had come earlier through the Old Testament prophet. 
If you get a king, he will take, 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 and take some more. And that's exactly what Saul did. And unlike David in 2 Samuel 7, one who had rest on all sides, Saul never had rest. All the days of his life, listen to this as we close, and the Philistines ended up killing him. And what's interesting is at this moment that's pivotal, instead of pursuing the Philistines who were on the run, he went back home, and we do see that he had some victories here, but ultimately he never had rest. Never. Why do you think Saul lacked rest? Because he never really trusted God. So let's apply it to ourselves now. When we lack rest, when we're all fidgety and nervous and we're keeping up at night and we're on that rack of being stretched that we talked about last week, right? It's because we're not trusting God. Am I saying that trusting God is easy? No. But I'm saying that when we do, we find rest in Jesus Christ. Who do you identify more with? Saul or Jonathan? If you were to measure yourself honestly tonight, let's go up and just raise, raise our hands. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to have you now, you might be over here. You might say, you know what? I can, I can empathize more with Saul. I'm more like him. Here's the good news. You're still alive. You're still breathing. And you can grow. Amen? And God is the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's what he's doing in our lives, is trying to grow us. So that's why we're here, because none of us have arrived, including yours truly. That's why I need these stories. Because the Old Testament was written that we might not repeat the mistakes of Israel, but we might take the way of escape, indeed the way of peace, who is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. This is challenging stuff, no doubt, but thank you that it's real, it's true to life. It's what we go through. We can see Saul's blunders and how his lack of faith and trust in you impacted so many people, including his own son. It almost cost his son his life. Lord, thank you for your grace because many of us can think tonight of how we could have lost so much more, but you've given back to us the years that the locust has eaten. Because you're a gracious God. The next chapter will tell us that you regretted putting Saul in this position. And the reality of life, Lord, is that uh, we want to put feet to our faith. Help us, Lord, because we feel weak oftentimes. We can doubt. We can be so much like Saul. Make us more like Jonathan. Give us a heart like yours. Let us step out in faith more. Let us act in obedience more. Let us trust you. Even in the things that we don't get, the things that may not even make sense to us, like how could I possibly do that? 
Let those be new and fresh areas of obedience for us. We know you're going to meet us there and bless us. We just thank you that your word is like honey to our lips. Jesus, you are sweet to our souls. Help us to walk in your ways this rest of this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio today. Excited that you've joined us. Tell a friend about the program you're hearing here. And please keep us in prayer. We have some uh, exciting open doors for new radio stations. We have some exciting opportunities for some new time slots. And we could really use your prayer and your support. If you can give to the ongoing ministry of Living Truth Radio, we'd deeply appreciate it. It takes funds to be on the radio, and we're not a huge congregation, and we appreciate the support that we get from radio listeners. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire and you don't have a home fellowship, you're not connected with a local church, we'd love to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The radio ministry that you hear Monday through Friday on your station or on the weekend is really just a extension of the normal pulpit ministry in the life of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And for those of you who are out of state or out of our area, we consider you family members as well. Uh, Living Truth certainly doesn't replace your local church, but we know you listen and we know you're praying for us and we appreciate it. Thank you for the support that you give to us, the encouragement, the emails that you send. We we deeply appreciate it. And we know that even when you don't send an email, that you are still part of what's going on and part of the listening family. And we, we appreciate you and we look forward to interacting with you again. If we can be of any help to you, send us an email or a message through the website, livingtruthcorona.org, or you can call us Monday through Friday. We're here 9 to 5 Pacific time at... 951-735-2856. God bless you. Thank you for listening and we'll catch up to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible, and we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.